in an odd location on my iPhone <laughs> with that road video podcast or broadcast or whatever it is. Um, I think I've got all this working in so far as I did test it beforehand. The mic sounded good. I'm going to talk about the mic a moment because I did actually get some, some uh, firmware update for the mic, which is good. But uh, I had planned to do this two days ago before I left the Gold Coast. And as tends to, uh, tends to happen, life did get in the way. And I drove to Sydney yesterday, in Sydney now, so I'm back in the hotel again, which is, which is a little bit odd, <laughs> getting used to being in a hotel again. Getting used to being in Sydney again, it's been more than two years since I've been in Sydney, which is really weird. So for a place I spent 15 years living in, and I'm only about eight and a half hours that way from home, and used to come to probably every few months. It was very, very strange to go so long without coming to Sydney. A lot of stuff still the same, a lot of stuff different. I'm back in the same hotel as I was so many times before, but it's, it's just the little things. It's like eight and a half hour drive yesterday, get here and go, I would really like a beer. Uh, I can't have a beer because the mini bar doesn't have any drinks in it because COVID. I'm not entirely sure how that works because every time I've gone to a hotel in Queensland or the Northern Territory, or anywhere else I can think of in Australia over the last two years. Like, yeah, hey, you know, there's a there's a mini bar. Uh, I guess people just don't like drink from it and then put it back in the bar. I don't know. I think we, we didn't do that before COVID as well. All right, so I can see the comments coming through as well. Stratus, g'day. Like I'm looking at the iPad down here. Brendan, so apparently there's a timber festival in my area. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, that's good. Let us know if anything changes with the timber festival. Now, on to, on to business as usual. Sponsor this week, it is Veronis again. I've had Veronis. I, I think that Veronis is probably my most prevalent, longest term sponsor. So a massive, massive thanks to Veronis. Reduce your ransomware blast radius, a term I've been fond of for a very long time. Blast radius with the leader in data first security. Try it for free. And, and as I've always encouraged sponsors to do for so long, give something away for free. Ransomware protection software. Uh, reduce your blast rate. It's just such a cool term. Because, I mean, this is what happens when you have ransomware. I remember once, it's like stories from the trenches. I was in a dentist once, and as I was sitting there in my incognito, out of cyber world <laughs> mode, just like waiting to get my teeth checked, I was watching the, uh, the dentist come to the realization that they had ransomware. And, and what I remember most about it is I was sitting in the waiting room and the receptionist was there and it's like the IT guy was there and the IT guy is like looking around the computer he's just making all those noises like shaking his head it's, oh, it's not, all right, it's really not good and he's like you know just show me where your backup server is uh, and I kid you not true story <laughs> they take him around the corner I can still see him and open a cupboard door and they're like here's the backup server and he looks at it and he goes you know that's not turned on don't you and then I'm in the dentist chair and the dentist, like, I don't know, it's like the dentist, dentist and the dental hygienist or something like that, talking backwards and forwards about what are we going to do now because basically all the patient data has been wiped. See so if they had had Veronis. Get Veronis. Blast radius. On to other things. And I, I do have a lot of other things this week. I'm going to chuck it back in the comments so I can catch it. Oh, it's Lars. Lars is there. He'll shout me a beer. I have had a good trip for beers, actually. Um, I had beers with someone that you know, Lars, last night, which was very, very nice. Uh, 
So this is part of the thing now, because it's been so long since I've been to Sydney, it's like, okay, I've got a finite amount of time who are all the people I need to see. Uh, so I spent some time with a mutual Microsoft friend of Lars's and mine last night. Uh, went and caught up with a, another, another mate today for lunch. Uh, small number of beers, it was nice. Another one, uh, what are we now? Almost 5 p.m., 6.30 dinner tonight. Uh, which would be nice, and then other things throughout the rest of the week which I'll talk to you about, as well as actually doing my first real live in-person presentation for two years on Wednesday uh, at the Australian Computer Society, which is just going to be like, it's like it's, it's a big event, but I think it's massive insofar as it has been so long since I've done that in person, and I'm just itching to go, I'm like really, really stoked about doing this in person again. So that'll be super, super cool. Now, I do have many things to talk about this week because it was a two blog post week, irrespective of any weekly update blog post, which, uh, which is a big week for me under current circumstances. Now, um, last week when I was at home, <laughs> and I, was, I was talking about the DigiCert uh, EV, let's call them shenanigans. I think that's a good word. I like shenanigans. The DigiCert EV shenanigans. And I had tweeted... On the 10th of February, at the time recording here in Australia right now, it is the 19th of February, nine days ago. I, was, I said, why are you still claiming this, DigiCert? This is extremely misleading. Anyone feel like reporting this to relevant advertising standards authorities in, this, in their jurisdiction? Um, now, this was in relation to someone sending me a DM saying, hey, have you noticed that DigiCert is still trying to sell EVs based on the browser showing a green... It's not even the green address bar, it's next to the Omnibar. A green uh, organizational entity name next to the bar. Uh, that seems sus because the browsers haven't done that for a very long time now. Now I spoke about that last week and as I was doing this video live, I was looking at the DigiCert website and I was reading the content and I was just like, like, go back, like if you didn't see it, watch last week. And you can see the amazement unfold on my face that they're still trying to push this shit. Let's be honest, push this shit. Uh, and as I was live streaming that, I said, I really should write a blog post about that. So I blew a substantial amount of my following Monday writing the blog post about this, which is now out. And I iterated a little bit on titles. I settled with how everything we're told about website identity assurance is wrong, because this is really where they were going with this. Now, I don't have a predisposition against DigiCert, and in all honesty, like I don't have a predisposition against EV certs either. I have a predisposition against the irrational representation of the efficacy of a security control. Uh, in, in simple terms, when you say it does things that it just simply doesn't do. And what I was finding with this DigiCert article is that it wasn't just the EV bit, there are all these other things in there that were just completely rational. Now, one thing I realized I didn't talk about last week, but I had meant to because it was sort of, I guess, part of the tweet. When I said, anyone feel like reporting this to the relevant advertising standards authority in their jurisdiction, we have in various parts of the world, advertising uh, standards and authorities who govern them around making sure you're not making false or misleading claims. Now, one or two people popped up and they're like, ha, 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 like that'll never happen. It does happen. So the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK, pinged Barclay on this several years ago. Now, this is Barclays as in Barclays Bank. 
And I've used this Barclays ad in many, many of my talks before because it was an ad which effectively said, look for the padlock. If you see the padlock, you know that it's the site is not fake. And the ASA went, no, like that's, that's not what it means at all. The padlock has never meant anything about the trustworthiness of the site itself. The padlock is just simply about the crypto between the client and some other point. Maybe the web server, maybe a network load balancer in front of that, maybe Cloudflare, an edge node somewhere, wherever. That's all it gives you guarantees for. It doesn't mean that the site is a good site. Anywho, the point is, is that we have precedent in terms of an advertising standards authority in a part of the world pinging a, not necessarily a CA, Barclays obviously isn't a CA, but pinging an entity for making misleading claims about what the certificates do. So with that in mind, let's start to dissect the DigiCert piece and the blog post I wrote about it. Now there were many different problems and we're gonna break this down into logical areas. One of their claims here is to look beyond the lock. So what they're trying to, and okay, let's, I'll put the iPad down a sec. Slight tangent. I wonder if there's another argument out there. There's this really weird, it was almost like a housekeeper fight earlier on, it was a few hours ago, where there's all this noise out there. Uh, and it was, in, it was in what I believe is Chinese. And we were curious, so we poked our head out the door. And it's just like these two housekeepers screaming at each other. And there's obviously like this massive, massive fight. And it goes on for like 10 minutes. And eventually Charlotte calls down to reception. And she's like, you know, like I think, I think there's like two housekeepers about to murder each other and someone should come up and, and, and stop that. <laughs> and I was like, can you please send a translator up too? Because I'm really, really curious as to what they're going on about because they're really, really going at it. These ones seem cool though. I don't know, it's a different problem. Anywho, looking beyond the lock. So there's this, this whole sort of desire from certificate authorities selling EV to have people try to do some sort of identity assurance before they trust a website. Now, we're using these terms a little bit interchangeably, and every time I say trust as it relates to certificates, I get an angry message from Scott Helm, who says it's like literally in the base, base guidelines for certificate authorities, uh, certificates have nothing to do with trust. Certificates just have to do with like assurance that you are on the site that you think you are in terms of, say, domain validation or so on and so forth. Uh, just because you have an entity that can get a certificate, DV, OV, EV, whatever it may be, doesn't mean that they're nice people and they're going to look after you. So keeping that in mind, the, the value proposition of EV was always that you see some sort of identity representation that gives you assurance that you're in the right spot. It used to be up there next to the Omnibar, used to be green in Chrome, has now disappeared from there. And now it is, to use DigiCert's term, beyond the lock. So how can you sell EV if you can no longer see EV without clicking? Well, you do have to click, you just have to click beyond the lock. <laughs> and so here's their rationale. You should look beyond the lock by clicking on it once to reveal more information. Now, I'm, I'm not entirely sure which browser it is, which is once. I think there, there is at least one browser where it's a, a single click, but in Chrome, the world's most prevalent browser by a very, very long margin. If you click once, you will see, this is on digicert.com, you will see connection is secure. So, all right, 
That's what the padlock told me, <laughs> without clicking once. So you click a second time onto Connection is Secure, and then you see it says Security Digicert. Connection is Secure. Your information, for example, passwords or credit card numbers, is private when it is sent to this site, learn more. And then beneath that, certificate is valid, issued to Digicert Inc. US. And now this is the bit where the EV comes through because this is the identity assurance. Two clicks, not one click, two clicks down. But then as I said here, who is Digicert Inc. US? See, you think it is the certificate authority that issues certificates, but how do you know without drilling down further? And the point I'm making here is a guy called Ian Carroll, who several years ago went and got an EV certificate for Stripe, Stripe Inc. in the US. And everyone's like, yeah, I know who Stripe is. They do like credit card payments. It's like, there is a Stripe who does credit card payments. There is also Ian Stripe, which is just a corporate entity registered in another state, because you can have the same corporate entities registered in different states in the US. Legitimate entity went and got a legitimate EV certificate. Now you've got two different EVs for two different Stripe Inks. I don't even know if the real Stripe Ink has an EV. And I'm on my iPad, so I can't even easily check. We'll come back to that. So, Keeping in mind that the whole value proposition of identity assurance via EV depends on people clicking down, seeing the entity name, and then drawing a conclusion that the entity name is correct and they're in the right place. Would your mum and dad do that? And I just use that as the, I, I guess the, the, the mass example. I think of my mum and dad. Like my mum and dad, they're, they're in their 70s. Um, they have iPhones, which is cool. Dad's got an Apple Watch he's not going to be clicking down on certificates and trying to figure out whether it's EV and whether there's identity assurance. So that, uh, that doesn't really work. And here's the other problem. They're saying check beyond the log. Now there are multiple points on the DigiCert blog where they use Amazon as an example. I'm going to come back to those in a moment. But just, just, for, uh, just for fun, if you're on a client that actually allows you to inspect the certificate, which we'll come back to in a moment, try going to Amazon and drilling down and seeing if you see EV because you won't because there's no EV. So part of the challenge we've got here is that in order for this to work, I feel like a broken record, I've so many times over the years, in order for it to work, you need to know which sites are meant to have it and which sites are not meant to have it because Amazon is not meant to have it. So you don't see it there. So let's imagine in some like dystopian parallel universe, everybody started checking for EV certificates before they use the service. And they're like, they go to the DigiCert website and they see it and it says DigiCert and then you sort of suspend reality and you imagine for a moment that it's the real DigiCert and it's not just some parallel DigiCert. <laughs> but then they want to go shopping at Amazon. They go to the Amazon website, no EV. So they have to know in advance that Amazon is not meant to have EV in order for EV to work because the only other way EV works is if they go to Amazon and they say there's no EV and they just leave. And this is part of the problem. Like EV works when it is not there. When it is there, you go, oh yeah, you know, like I'm in the right place, I'll use it. The value proposition is when something gets stood up which is meant to fabricate or emulate fish people, whatever it may be, from the legitimate site. Now, one of the arguments I've heard before, and this is complete bullshit, and this is not necessarily in the DigiCert article, is they'll say, well, Amazon's big. Everybody trusts Amazon. This is more important for the smaller ones because the smaller ones need to convince people that they're legitimate. 
This just doesn't make sense in so many ways. <laughs> so way number one, mum and dad don't know what EV is. They're not going to look for it. Way number two, it is extraordinarily rare for any website to have EV, particularly once you get outside of financial institutions. So let's call it 90-something percent of the time you're going to go to a merchant and you're not going to have EV. So what, what are we telling people to do? It's like just leave every merchant except for a very, very small number, uh, keeping in mind that everything from like Amazon to eBay to where you buy your T-shirts, I use the example in my blog post, where I buy my coffee, does not have an EV. So people leave. Well, they don't because they don't look for it in the first place. But then that just means it doesn't work. So we keep coming back around to the same thing. Uh, so DigiCert, uh, I'm just going to give you a quote here. They say, in the current absence of a uniform way of showing stronger identity and trust across all web browsers, I agree that there is an absence of that, consumers browsing the web and other relying parties need to know for themselves how to identify information about site ownership. Well, it would be nice if everything worked that way, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like it literally doesn't. Even for you, all right, let's imagine a bunch of people watching this now, watching it later, will be living in, let's call it our world, like our techie world, where you have a concept of EV and DV and maybe even OV. Do you ever actually check certificates? Do you ever like go to that website where you're gonna buy a t-shirt from some random online merchant? You ever go there and go, I need to make sure this site is legitimate first, so I'm gonna click beyond the lock and try and see an EV. No, you don't do that because otherwise you wouldn't be shopping anywhere because barely anyone uses it. What are our big four banks here? Big Aussie Bank, ANZ, no EV. I gave another example here, dunskebank.com, no EV. Now, I didn't say this in the blog post, uh, but I, I did spend some time with Dunske Bank in Denmark some time ago, and I do remember having a very, let's just call it fruitful conversation about EV and some of the problems they were having with it, and I was, I did lull just a little bit when I noticed as I was writing this blog post that they no longer had EV, uh, which is actually quite fascinating because the other thing is like I went back through the certificate transparency logs and they did have loads and loads of EV at some time and then they got rid of it. So extending that logic of EV really only works when you go to a website and you find it doesn't have it and you change the behavior, what sort of hit do you think Danske Bank took to their business? I don't know from them, but I'm pretty convinced it'll be zero, which again, kills the value proposition of EV. Now here's the next thing, next title. There's no useful beyond the lock on a massive portion of mobile devices. So my iPad here, the iPhone that I'm talking to just now, if I use Safari, you cannot click on the padlock and get details about the site certificate. I am trying to wean myself off Safari and move on to Chrome just because I want to sync stuff because I normally use it on my laptop, for example. You can get some site information. So here's what the site information tells you. It basically tells you the issuing CA and that you have encryption. It doesn't tell you the entity name. So if you're on Google Chrome on an iOS device, you don't get any of that either. Now, I did spend a substantial amount of time on the online chat with the DigiCert representative without them knowing who I am, but frankly, it seemed very call center-like anyway. They're just running through a script and it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. Uh, and they were like, oh, but on Android it does. 
Now, in the blog post, I did ask people questions. I said, look, if it does on Android, let me know. It seems like it was something like Edge on Android would tell you. But how many people are using Edge on Android? And then out of that subset, who's actually going through and drilling into search? So let's just agree that that rounds down to basically no one. Here's the other weird thing. <laughs> they say, you should use a website checker. When in doubt, use a website checker to verify if a website is secure. A secure website can let you know any vulnerabilities on the site. If it is using encryption and what level of verification site, can you imagine mum and dad, they're like, I'm gonna use a website checker. This website has XSS. All right, mum, what now? <laughs> like, what, what are you gonna do with that now? How is that information gonna help you make a trust decision on using the site? DigiCert fortunately has come to the rescue. They do have a website checking tool. The DigiCert, registered trademark, SSL installation diagnostics tool. And you can put in a URL, I put in one here as an example, shop.bbc.com. BBC is a substantial organization. The website checker was not happy. The certificate is not issued by DigiCert, GeoTrust, Thwart, or RapidSSL. So they come back and they give like this big yellow warning sign, not because there's actually anything wrong with the website, but because it wasn't issued by a CA that's either them or one of their mates. So, just for fun, <laughs> I went to a phishing site. Here's how you find a phishing site. You go to your junk mail and you scroll through until you find one that's asking you to reset your password. That's what I did. So there's one here called pcychh.azurewebsites.net. So someone's gone and got themselves a freebie Azure website, sort of a phishing site. Now that comes back good. It's happy because obviously this has been signed by someone friendly to DigiCert. So the, uh, the legitimate BBC shop, not safe. The phishing site, safe, based on the website checker. But the point I made here, for those of you like looking at the video now, I'm showing an image here which has got Google self uh, safe browsing rather. Great big red screen, deceptive site ahead. So safe browsing has gone, nah, <laughs> don't trust this site. So that's picked it up where, which of course makes entire sense, but the website checker from DigiCert, not so much. Seals should be clubbed. Surprised I've been getting hate mail about this. Now, <laughs> there was a talk I saw in Amsterdam years ago called Clubbing Seals, Exploring the Ecosystem of Third-Party Security Seals. Very fun play on words, don't club seals, it's not cool, but it's a funny title. And what I loved about this talk is that it, it took something which I think all of us know is complete bullshit, which is like security seals on website. Uh, complete bullshit in terms of the actual technical efficacy. I'll come back to a part of it being less bullshitty. Um, what was really great about this talk, and I didn't go into it in the blog post, but I'll explain it briefly here verbally, is they said security seals can often be an oracle, so a mechanism for disclosing whether or not there are vulnerabilities on a site. So imagine this, security seals are often there when a site is automatically scanned and is checked out to be safe. If the site is automatically scanned and is no longer safe, the seal gets removed. So imagine this, you're a bad guy, you are looking at the seals on different websites. At some point in time, you see that the seal has disappeared. What does that tell you? It tells you that there is now an, a, a vulnerability that's been introduced, or the website's just grown up and realized the seals don't mean anything of any use anyway and just removed it. But let's go to the first scenario. The seal's been removed. 
So now you know that there's a vulnerability. What do you do to find the vulnerability? You go and register a completely different domain, you reverse proxy it back to the original website, you go to the service providing the seal, you ask them to scan the website, they come back and say, here's the vulnerability. Isn't that wonderful? It's such a beautiful, beautiful little implementation. So the seals can literally be an oracle to weaken security. So DigiCert says, a site seal signals that the site is authentic. Now remember, this is a bitmap. It could be a PNG. Uh, in their case, I believe it was an SVG. <laughs> you can put this on your own site. And you can usually click on a site seal to reveal more information about the website. If only there was a way of making an illegitimate site clickable, illegitimate seal clickable. What if we were, maybe the anchor tag with an href attribute. Seals that do nothing when clicked should not be trusted as they are likely illegitimate copies of seals. That's, that's, You're a Fisher person and you want to try and emulate normal behavior of a seal, you put a link on the seal so that it pops up a window and then it behaves like the normal seal, assuming that the Fisher person is gullible enough to buy into the rhetoric about the seal actually doing anything. It's just, it's so, I just love that. Seals that do nothing when clicks should not be trusted. So don't let the hackers know that. Jeez. Spencer's here. G'day, Spencer. I will go come back to the comments shortly as well. And there's a big link, report seal misuse. <laughs> I just suddenly, I keep conflating the seals in my mind. So like, how do you misuse a seal? So there. I'm sure there's a website for that. They go on, it pops up a website, seal.digicert.com. Now, ironically, seal.digicert.com does not have an EV certificate, so can you trust it? And if not, what does that tell you about the position of EV? It's a big uh, infographic here somewhere. There are no cons in this equation, is that the, the, uh, the equation of getting EV well other than the cost, the complexity of getting it, the fact that they've got really long-running expirations, if you need to replace it quickly, you've got to jump through a lot of hoops. Uh, other than all those cons, not here in the fine print, incidentally. <laughs> in the past, 74% of users looked for other indicators of secure website, including HTTPS and the green address bar, two trust indicators that have been removed by browser. They're not, you're literally told you're not allowed to say that. Like this is the entire premise of the whole PKI infrastructure, it does not mean trust in a website. Scott's getting very upset again. Today, 60% of participants stated they have not completed a purchase because a trust logo was missing. <laughs> have you ever paid for anything with Stripe? No trust logo. 18% of shoppers abandoned their shopping cart because they don't trust the website with their pay. How does this wreck? This doesn't reconcile. 60% say they have not completed a purchase. Maybe that's 60% of individuals. 18% abandon their shopping cart. I'm not sure they add up. Anyway, there's sources. Two of them are DigiCert, so don't worry about those. One of them is the Baymart Institute. Now, this is where it got really, really interesting because I didn't know who these guys were. I did some Googling. They do uh, all sorts of usability studies here. Sample size was, I, th I think, in the one I'm going to quote from at the moment, about 2,500 people. That's something. That's okay. That's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> they did this, this, uh, 
I guess, user group survey of the effectiveness of SEALs. And I, lo- I just love this comment because this is what DigiCert's relying on. But Baymart Institute says, generally, we see during testing that adding any visual icon will help increase the user's general level of, sec- of perceived security. Now, maybe this plays into DigiCert's position because Baymart literally saying that if you add a SEAL, it will increase the level of assurance. However, this is the good bit. In each test since 2016, we also included a completely homemade slash fake seal, not issued by a third party, with no meaning whatsoever beyond the icon itself. Note how the homemade seal performs significantly better than the SSL SSL seals issued by established vendors except Norton. So, in other words, and as I said in the blog post, I had actually concluded this myself further up and then later I read this study, so I'm feeling really kind of smart now. I literally said, just go and make your own seal. And what this study is saying is that if you make your own seal, it's going to perform better than everything except for Norton. Not entirely sure why. Maybe that's just a name that resonates. So why would you refer to a study that basically says your thing doesn't work? Anywho, that's probably why they didn't link to it. Uh, Also, Baymart Institute has no EV because it doesn't work. And then if you go and try and buy something from Baymard, you get routed through a payment process that ends up on Stripe, which as I just mentioned, has no security seal. Now you might argue, well, it's Stripe, they're big, people know Stripe. My mum and dad don't know Stripe. I guarantee, I could ask mum and dad right now, it's like, do you know Stripe? Would you trust a Stripe payment form? They'd have no idea. And I just keep picking my mum and dad because I feel that they're representative of the, the larger masses using the internet that don't live in our world. I'm sure I could walk down the street and take a sample size of 100 people and 99 of them wouldn't know who Stripe is in terms of recognising as a payment provider. Next bit, none of us can read URLs. Now this went off in many, many different tangents and resulted in various Twitter arguments and threads. And... Uh, I guess the thing that's interesting here is DigiCert has said one key indicator of a fake site is a misspelled URL. Fraudsters may change up a URL name slightly like using Amazon with an zero instead of an O, dot com, or they may change the domain extension like Amazon.org instead of Amazon.com. Bad example. First of all, as we've already established, Amazon has no EV, so it really doesn't speak to the language that DigiCert is talking here. Secondly, Amazon, the great big, very, very large Jeff Bezos-headed company, owns Amazon.org, and Amazon.org redirects to them. Thirdly, if I go to Amazon.com, you know where I end up? Amazon.com.au, which is a different TLD, because I'm in Australia. And this whole idea of somehow being able to look at a URL and know what is the correct TLD for a website and then leave it if it doesn't have the correct one or the one that you think it should, let's say the .com, which has basically been hijacked by the US. Where's all the US domain? Like we have .com.au, we're happy with .com.au. Why don't you have .us instead of just using .com the whole time? Tangential discussion. Uh, But... Amazon for me is .com.au. Amazon.org seems reasonable. I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here because I had a Twitter thread that just went off in a really wild direction here. So someone, uh, 
and I'm going to go back to my Twitters here. Where was it? And find the uh, the correct tweet before I come back to my comments and things that are here. Uh, actually, why not pop that in a Safari window? Can I do that? It's already in a Safari window. Look at that. Doesn't have my comments in a Safari window. Boy, boy. Oh, there's my chat. All right, it's back. I will open this in a different Twitter client. It's so weird when I'm not at home with access to all my toys. Okay, let me read you from the tweet just here. So someone was having a very, uh, a very robust, let's say, discussion with me about how important it is to have a short URL on the .com TLD. And I was sort of saying, look, mate, people can't read URLs. I can't read URLs. And what we mean by that is that it is very, very difficult to read a URL and know that you're on the correct location. Let's say someone sends you a URL, untrusted third party sends you a URL. Is that the correct URL for the site you think you're going to? Uh, is that M actually two different Ns? Is that L a capital I? Little things like that. Uh, is it a homoglyphic character? So is it not an actual Latin A, but it's a Cyrillic A? Little things like that. Uh, should this company name have dashes between the words? Should it be .com? Should it be .org? All these little things like that. Now, as I was discussing with this person, they were adamant that if you have a short .com name, people will trust it more and they will know that they're in the right location. And I went, no, no, there's not. I will, uh, I will send a poll. So I made a poll and I said, uh, Without clicking through and checking first, what is the correct URL for Leap Financial Services, a small Canadian firm? This is where the person's from. Now, I gave four, four different options here. So remember, Leap Financial Services, small company Canada. Number one, leap.com. Number two, leap-fin.ca. Number three, leapfinancialservices.com. Number four, no idea from the URL. Now, that last option got 54% of the votes. The next most popular one was leap-fin.ca, inevitably because it's a Canadian firm. The third most popular was leapfinancialservices.com. The least popular of all options was leap.com, only 7% of the votes. That was the right answer. But how are people meant to know? Like how are you, I don't know. So this argument that user.com because I trust it. It just feels like you've been watching. Who was that guy in the pajamas I wrote blog posts about that was doing like SEO stuff? It sounds like they've been watching his crap where it's just like, you should have short domain name with a .com TLD because of trust. I think you should have that because it's easy to type. I don't think you should have that because it gives you any form of trust, not in any practical way that people can reliably fall back on. Like this just, this just made no sense. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> that blog post. I, uh, I did an example. I registered digicert-secured.com and I put a seal on it. Now, when I say a seal, this is, this is what I think of when I think of a seal. It's furry. This one is smiling, which I think goes a long way in a seal. It adds much more credibility to your seal when they have a smile. Uh, I don't trust seals that look sad. That, that doesn't give me any confidence at all <laughs> in the website. So I registered this and I went... Okay, I, I went over the top to ensure that it was in no way uh, trying to emulate the actual DigiCert seal site because I don't really want to go down that path. 
And the, the point was, is that if you saw a domain name like digicert-secured.com, it's on the .com. It says Digicert. They run a service called Digicert Secured. Like it, it all seems legitimate, but of course it's not a legitimate site. And I did offer at the end of the blog post, I will happily give that domain away from them, or away to them rather. Uh, I'm not trying to stand up a phishing site for their things. I'm just trying to make a point about how these domain names just don't work. Also made a point down a little bit. You know, when you look at actual phishing emails, and I had an example here. Uh, this one went to a domain, exterminator.co.nz. And it's a legitimate domain. It's, it's a pest control service in Auckland. But there is either an open redirect or a compromised page somewhere, which then boots you off to a phishing page. But they can redistribute that URL, which for all intents and purposes is trustworthy. Let's say it has a neutral trust, as far as individuals are concerned. But then it's got a big string off the end of it. Now, this, this big sort of weird query string. Um, do you trust that? Well, I embedded a legitimate URL from an Amazon order I placed recently, and that has a massive query string off the end of it. So you just can't look at the URL and make some sort of value decision. I'm gonna go read the comments for a moment because I'm sure I'm gonna talk more about this. And I have, uh, have been skipping through some of these. Red Lars here, okay. Per is there from Sweden. Must be early in Sweden, so thank you for joining from there. Hendrik says, so how much assurance, trust, security is let's encrypt slash zero SSL, and for that matter, I guess, slash bypass for anyone else you can get a free SSL cert from. How much does it give? Uh, how much security does it give? Because these are two different words. You just, well, three different words, assurance, trust, security, and they're being a little bit conflated. The security it gives is identical to the security that the DigiCert EV certificate gives. How much trust does it give? None of them should give any trust. This is the entire point of these base guidelines or baseline guidance. Um, what do people actually take away from it? If anything, people assume trust based on the presence of the padlock, which is the wrong thing to do. But if we want to play the trust argument, that's where they get it from. How much assurance does it give? If you were able to actually drill down, depending on your client, read, understand, and draw reasonable conclusions from who signed, well, not who signed the certificate, but whose name is on the, the entity of the certificate, some more, but, and this again is, is why I'm not against EV in terms of, you know, I'm not necessarily saying don't go out and get it. I do think there's some, some technical challenges, not least of which is long expiration period. Uh, but for the most part, I'm not, not against it. I'm just against people saying that it is going to give you something it doesn't do. All right, what else in here? Person is so true, the solution is education. But how do we get... I missed the end of that. I just scrolled past it. I think I was saying... Oh, here we go. But how do we get info to the peeps? That needs, that needs is in a form they can relate to. Okay, so I think what Per's saying is... If we could get everybody to do something that they don't already do, then things would be different. Yes, I agree. Uh, but they don't do it, so it's not different. <laughs> so how can you educate everyone on that? The, the problem is you, you can't because you're still depending on people being able to not only proactively add all of these steps into the equation before trusting the site, but the fact they simply can't do it on the vast majority of devices out there. I mean, remember something like, I think I put a stat in there, 73% it was of uh, payments are done with mobile devices. And then you've got to take out all of the iOS devices altogether, and then you've got to take out all the Androids on Chrome, and you're left with like Edge on and like 
honestly, who uses Edge on Android? We're not going to get people to change their behavior on this. This is not the solution. Now, I didn't talk about the solutions in here because I didn't want to go down that tangent. But if I was to wing it a little bit, the solutions are going to be things like uh, better safe browsing controls. Now, obviously, Chrome did a really good job of that when I went to the phishing site. I think I showed you the big red screen. That is a good control. The solutions are also things like password managers because they can fill in credentials only when you're on the legitimate site. They help you have unique passwords per site. So we don't have a situation where credentials are stolen for a person and they go and unlock all the other things. There's lots of very practical ways that actually work to tackle this. Hendrick says, uh, makes me recall Peter Goodman's engineering security rants about say, stating SSL certificates indistinguishable from placebo. <laughs> That's a good term. Um, what else we got in here? Uh, Joshua's has ended late and has wondered why we're discussing marine seals. Oh, I could have put that on there. I didn't need to have a fluffy seal, a fairy seal. I could have just had like a, a dude in camo with a uh, machine gun, I guess. Marek says, since we're on the topic of certs, wish there was a simple way of handling certs for local network resources like my NAS or Home Assistant. Seems wrong to have to register a public domain to do this. Scott Helm's got a bunch of material on this about how to do it. So read Scott. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go on a different topic. That was DigiCert. Uh, I have not heard anything from DigiCert, either because they don't like what I wrote or because they're asking for their DigiCert secured certificate, which I'm happy to give them. So nothing from DigiCert yet. Happier things. New Zealand government is now on Have I Been Pwned, which is fantastic. Now, to be clear, when I say on Have I Been Pwned, it's not like the New Zealand government has all of their data now and Have I Been Pwned. They are now the 28th government globally to have free and unbridled access to all of their gov domains. So they joined what began with the UK and Australia and then went all the way through. I figured out today, actually, we've, we've now mapped out the whole five eyes. So Canada and the US is in there as well. Uh, NZ, as well as all sorts of other parts of the world, everything from Israel to Norway to the Netherlands to Dominican Republic to Jamaica, which would be super, super cool to go and visit those people. I'd love to go to the Caribbean. So I'm really happy to have NZ in there. Uh, I was also happy when I saw a news story about this today where it actually made the press in NZ. And I was happy about it uh, right up to the point where I read what they said <laughs> in the news story. So I tweeted this earlier on. Um, so in this story, they say, yeah, they talk about me and then they go, Hunt stepped down from his esteemed post as sole manager of HOVP in 2019, but continues in both his Microsoft roles. <sighs> nah. <laughs> I, I think that there are probably three things wrong in just that, like that one sentence. Uh, I still have MVP, I still have RD, they're not roles, they're titles. I know it's confusing, it's a Microsoft thing. There is no way in any capacity whatsoever I have stepped down from have I been pwned. I still do that a lot. <laughs> it's still exactly the same thing. So I don't know why that ended up in there, but I tweeted about it. Maybe someone will fix it. Uh, Stratus said, sorry, I fell asleep, Troid. <laughs> was that because of this video? Uh, did you answer my fan art question? Where was your fan art question, Stratus? Uh, so here you go. Since you're in computer coding, I did a fan art of you as agent from Matrix in both normal and Matrix code. Where should I send it? No, tweet it. I'll retweet it. That sounds super cool. 
I really, really like the idea of that. Um, I, I'm really, really curious now as to what that looks. Tweet it after this, and I'll share it, no matter what it looks like. How's that? Good deal. But uh, I really like the idea of that. Thank you. All right, folks. Look, I think I'm pretty much done there. So um, I guess just rounding out this week, uh, as I mentioned, in Sydney, we're we're actually in the CBD at the moment. We spent. Uh, I guess yesterday, tonight, tomorrow morning, catching up with a bunch of people here. We're going to go and have a couple of nights away in the Blue Mountains, which would be super, super cool. I'll share some photos. This is actually our third time we've tried to go to this place. We tried to go in January last year. COVID <laughs> locked us down. This is when we had to fly back after a massive uh, halfway around Australia trip. Tried to go in August when we we're going to be at the snow. COVID cancelled that. We are actually going to get to this place tomorrow. It looks super, super cool. So I'll share some photos there. Back to Sydney, going to do the ACS event on Wednesday, uh, which would be nice. Catching up with more friends then, uh, and then we're heading back north on Thursday, back home to the Gold Coast on Friday. So really, really looking forward to all those things. Strauss just said, cool, he's tweeting that, which would be really, really awesome. Uh, and look, next, next week, next Friday, I should be back at home doing this as normal from my good, good setup in the office. So cheers, folks. Hope this worked okay. I'm going to listen back to it later on, but as far as I could tell, the video looks okay, sounds all right, which is good. I've got a mobile setup, so I guess I'm all ready to go traveling again. Cheers, folks. See you later.